I just wanted to let you know I'm so excited to share with you that the doors are now open to my new course, Faith Fueled Joy. You guys, it's been a labor of love, and we will officially start the modules in January, but I'm going to have a whole month in December of things to get you started so that you can step into more joy, you can step into more peace and calm in your life, and that you can really step into the role and the type of day that God has intended for us. So I'm so, so excited. So if anybody that signs up between now and mid-December, you're going to get all sorts of extras, extra um, modules to kind of get the holidays kick-started in a calmer way. And then we'll start the official four-week course in January. So this is really for any of you, just like myself, that were feeling like daily life was weighing you down, or maybe that life is full of so many responsibilities and obligations that there was no time to increase or deepen your faith, have more meaningful relationships, step into or reignite your passion, your creativity, and and just have a calmer spaces and do more for ourselves so that we have more well-being. And so that's what the course is about. I'd love for you to learn more at faithfueledjoy.com. And by the end of the course, you can expect to find more balance and joy that you're craving through meaningful breaks. And this is going to be together with a community of women to support and encourage us that will help us stay on track and achieve our goals. But I want you to say goodbye to the chaos and embrace the life where balance means nurturing your faith, relationships, and passions one meaningful break at a time. I can't wait to connect with you all and take you through the strategies and tools and the research-based insights that have changed my life and other women's as well. You guys, let's create a life that's flowing with joy, faith, and purpose together. Once again, go check out all the information about the course at faithfueledjoy.com. Hi, friends, and welcome back to the show. Today, we're talking to the author of the book, The Third Power, The Faith Formula to Soothe the Soul and Restore the Spirit. We are going to dig into a framework that helps us, if we've strayed from our faith, seek our faith and seek God again. We're going to talk about how can we reconnect with the divine within ourselves, within each other, and how do we deepen that relationship with God. It's a really great open and honest conversation around all of these things. And I think you're going to be encouraged in your faith, whether you're a strong faith believer and you practice daily your faith, or whether you're somebody that's really pulled away from God and feel really distanced from him. So this episode is really going to encourage you in your faith journey. Hi, beautiful friend, and welcome to Faith Fueled Woman. I want to ask you, are you ready to accept the invitation we've been given to step into the adventure of pursuing God and what he has for us? I'm Kristen. I'm an encourager. I'm a Christian inspirational speaker, author, and podcaster. I help women grow in their faith, purpose, and business so they can have a lasting legacy and impact in their homes and in the world. If you want to partner with God and design your life to be less hurried, less stressed, be more excited, and feel alive in your purpose and commitment to God and your family, this is the podcasting community for you. Grab your favorite beverage, your prayer journal, and your pen. And let's be encouraged. Hi, today on the show, I would like to welcome our guest, Scott Ventrella. He is an experienced author and speaker. He's a high-profile executive coach, a business teacher, and a Christian leader based out of New York's New York area. He has three books that he's written. The first was The Power of Positive Thinking in Business. The second was Me, Inc. And his most recent book is The Third Power, The Faith Formula to Soothe the Soul and Restore the Spirit. And I am so happy to have him on today because while he's both an experienced business person and coach. He is uh, someone that has continued to be a person of faith and share his faith. And I love that his new book addresses this topic because right now more than ever, it seems people need God in their lives. And yet it's a time when a lot more people have actually gone away from their faith or they've distanced themselves from God. So I'm excited because I think we're going to talk, we're going to have a conversation around why it's important. How can we really reconnect to God, reconnect to each other and the divine within ourselves? And I think this will really be a conversation that you'll be able to be uplifted from and also just maybe apply some of these things we talk about in your own lives. So welcome, Scott. Hello, uh, Kristen. Thank you for having me on your uh, show. Absolutely. So Scott, you, you've done lots of things. You're still doing lots of things besides helping lots of business professionals in their lives and writing books and speaking. You also teach uh, at colleges. I mean, you do a lot of things. So can you tell us just a little bit about what does life look like and what's led you to write your books and especially this new book? 
Yeah, uh, thank you. Good, good question. Um, so back in the, uh, I'll try to keep this brief. Uh, back in the um, early '80s, I decided to go on to work on my uh, master's degree in psychology. I have an undergrad in marketing, but I, I was really interested in psychology and also the application of psychology in a business setting. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I was working for a consulting firm, and that's so. So um, regarding me, Inc., how to master the business of being you. That was that started back in the 80s and and it was this interplay. So here we are. Uh, I'm a consultant to organizations. And I thought and back then it, the focus was on quality, quality of goods, services, customer service, et cetera. And I thought, wow, what can we learn uh, about what companies do? Excellent companies, companies that we like to do business with. What can we learn from them and apply to our own life? So, for example, customer really good companies are fanatical about their customers well what about us do we have customers i mean i'm using that more or less metaphorically customers are people that are important in our lives well do we provide good service and what happens when we don't they go so i'm playing around with that and i started um developing um material for a book meanwhile a professor at fordham university the gabelli school of business in lincoln center new york city said hey why don't you come teach that well I taught that for 24 years. He said, you can develop your ideas, but you can try it out on on real people. Uh, So that so I'm working on that. Meanwhile, I'm with Norman Vincent Peale, the author of The Power of Positive Thinking. Uh, I'm with his organization to try to adapt that great book, bestselling book at the time uh, and still is a bestselling book to uh, into a leadership development program. So I was supposed to do me Inc. first. And and never think anyway. Uh, I wrote the power of positive thinking in business because it was kind of a companion to the workshop. And then finally, uh, the third power that was look. I'm a business person. I have my own company. I work for uh, big corporations. Um, and but that was that truly was a calling. That was not something that I thought. Oh, let me write a book on faith because people. That was not part of my. My brand, um, I am a person of faith. I, I'm not schooled. I'm not a religious. <laughs> um, I'm not a theologian, et cetera. But anyway, uh, years ago, I wrote in my on a calendar just the word, the third power, the phrase. I didn't know what it meant. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, then uh, it just, the, the Holy Spirit just kept tugging and tugging, and I tried to ignore it. But, you know, when God <laughs> asks you to do something, uh, you do it. So at the beginning of the podcast, you mentioned that we need God more than ever, and I believe that. However, so many people have turned away and are looking for alternatives. That's a big part of why I believe I was called to write this book. It was not through my own power, by the way, it's through, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, I relate to so much of that. Uh, first of all, you know, I've worked in more of the marketing online technology sector for over 20 years. And I also had started my own company, nothing to do with what I'm doing now in podcasting, but I continued, especially in the last five years to be pulled and feel like I was really supposed to do, you know, more stuff uh, to encourage people. And then eventually do, um, I have several podcasts, but this one on, or one of them on faith, but it was absolutely a God thing. I was basically given a message that I was supposed to glorify God, right? Like, and I was like, well, I don't know. I'm not sure I want to talk about that all the time. (laughs) right? Because like you, I've really, I've really segmented faith. I'm a faith person, but in business a lot, it was always separate from my business identity, unless someone wanted to have a conversation about it. But, Mm -hmm. and so when I was going to start a faith podcast, I absolutely felt all the things like, wait, how can I be qualified? I'm just, you know, a person, I don't have a, degree in uh you know I'm not a I don't have a ministry or a degree in divinity or anything like that and mm-hmm. so it was very similar in that I just felt called to do it and my job was to be faithful and showing up and doing it right not mm-hmm. that you know it needs to be perfect or anything else and so I absolutely align with you saying that the book sort of was just it was sort of this thing where you're like nope God's saying like look it's time for you to do this additional book that's about faith because people need it and you the, the, the yeah, the first two, the first two were intentional. This one, this one was not intentional. Um, but boy, I'll tell you, when the Holy Spirit tugs at you, uh, eventually, I thought, okay, okay, God, I'll if that's what you want, that's what I'll do. And here we are. Yeah, and so we're going to dig into your book a little bit. But obviously, the, the the three main ideas, the third power is 
you know, you, uh, you say, you know, me or me power, we power and the power. So we'll talk about those, but I want to go back to what you said about people need God more than ever, because right now we're experiencing unprecedented levels of depression, loneliness, hopelessness, uncertainty, and every person or not every person, but in any conversation I have, someone is struggling with something that, mm-hmm. you know, like more than they were a couple of years ago before COVID, all these things. It's in almost every conversation that I have, even if people are doing well, you know, they have jobs, they don't have any big, they, there's something going on, right? There's people that were just feeling overwhelmed or feeling all these things. And, you know, so, so when we talk about people need God more than ever, it's because there's all these things going on. So mm-hmm. tell us about the third power, these three focuses of your book and what does that mean for us? Like, how can we tap into this? Yeah. Yeah. L- let me just touch on though. Um, you're absolutely right. And I think that the statistics, I, I won't go back through all of those, including the suicide rate, mental health problems, and so on and so forth. There are there are a couple of reasons for that. Well, many reasons. And sometimes we try to just point to one, one thing. Um, I, part of it is uh, poor role models. And I mean, in, in the church, I, I'm, I was raised Catholic. I'm a practicing Catholic, very active in my Catholic faith. But right here in my backyard, in my own parish, we had priests that did horrible, horrible things that that many people, it drove many people away from not only the church, but how can God allow this uh, to happen? Yeah. I think that uh, social media has also contributed to And I'm not, I'm not here to say, you know, technology and social media is bad. I think just like anything, it can be put to poor use. And so people tend to compare themselves with uh, others. Uh, when we, when we do something silly, think about, I think about when I was in high school, stupid things that I did, but it was it was just one and done. There was no there was no photographic or video memory of that. And now it gets, uh, you know, laid out for all the world to see. And that just um, that, that that also contributes. There are many other contributing factors. Uh, but for the so the book I wanted, I want to be clear, I, I did not write this book. Uh, like I said, I'm not a theologian. Um, my faith has been important to me all my life. Uh, I have read through the Bible. I'm currently reading back through it. Uh, I'll make some uh, a couple of uh, uh, let's say um, uh, things that are now coming to me that now that I'm older and I understand a little bit more. So the book was not written for people who are active Christians that are true to their Christian uh, faith. It was really for people. Some many many people um, are Christian in name only. So if you ask them, say, "Yeah, I'm a Christian." Okay, well. uh, tell me about Jesus Christ. Tell me about what you know about Jesus Christ. Tell me about what you know about the Bible and Scripture and about any faith practices and so on and so forth. Well, you know, it, it, it's more of a like a little bit of a, a side thing, compartmentalized and and maybe rarely accessed, and usually only when somebody's experiencing some distress, trouble, etc. So um, I wrote this for people like that. I wrote that for people who are interested in Christianity. Um, but have never picked up uh, a Bible, have never talked to anybody about this. And and quite frankly, uh, growing up Catholic, we had a Bible, but it was up on a shelf. It was never <laughs> just sat there. And I think, you know, many, at least Catholics, I think, can re- relate to that. Um, and, and so I tried to not oversimplify. I wanted to write a book that would provide some structure, a framework, and something that was... Um, accessible because there's a lot of books that are a little a little too heavy written you know for intellectuals let's say or religious etc back to the framework the the third power me we and the and I want to be really clear on that the me power is not about uh, my my self-generated power this is about the power that comes from Jesus Christ this is about the power uh, so I talk about in the so it's broken. The book is broken into three sections. Me power is what what God has given us. The parable of the talents. Many people are probably familiar with that. We're given certain gifts, like you have a gift, and you and you are now, in my view, you're you're using those gifts as God had intended. We're not perfect, we, but we do our best to not. Uh, uh, bury our gifts in a hole or keep the the lamp uh, you know under the table where people can't see that. Uh, we're all called to to use those gifts in different ways. That's me power. Some people have misinterpreted that as, oh, he's saying it's about pride and ego. No, no, not at all. This is the power that God has given us. Uh, so that's me power. The we power is, look, we live interdependent lives, and we power how look, God said when it was at, when Jesus was asked, 
What is the greatest commandment? Well, love God with all your strength and your heart and your mind. And oh, by the way, love your neighbor as yourself. There in a nutshell is me, we, and thee, by the way. So the we power is how, how do we get along with one another, even when we have different ideologies, different politics, different backgrounds, different religious faiths, etc., different life experiences? God didn't say, Jesus didn't say, just love the ones that, you know, are kind of part of your club. Right. Uh, so, so that's the we power. And then the, the power is, of course, T-H-E-E. That's the power directly. You know, how do we relate to uh, the, the higher power? How do we relate to uh, God? Um, and and so let me just make one final point here. Some people, they rely just on me power. Okay, yes, I acknowledge these are gifts from God, and I can do it. I can go it alone, and I'm going to make this happen. Uh, other people, they rely only on we power. In other words, I, you know, li- look— let everybody else kind of, whatever my project might be or my initiative, let me put that on other people and let me just kind of sit back and let it happen. And then there are people that just rely on the power. It's like, okay, God, here's what I need. Help me out. And now they kind of sit there twiddling their thumbs, waiting for something to happen. My point with me, we, and thee is it, 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 we, need to, we need to use all of those, the me power, the we power, and the the power. Ho- hopefully that makes sense to people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, I think you're so right in that it, it can't, it's not going to happen with just one of those things, at least not all of our life, right? And so I mean, there's so many examples and stories, you know, whether in the Bible or otherwise, but there's even the story, and I, I'm not going to get it exactly right, but of the gentleman in the boat and it's sinking, right? There's a hole in the boat, but he keeps praying to God, you know, wanting right. to be rescued, but he he has, I think, a life jacket or something. He has right. an ability and, on his own to get yeah. out of the situation, but he's waiting for a miracle. But it's like God's already provided in that situation a way, right? I but sent you a boat. I sent you a life preserver. I sent you a helicopter when he was yeah. up on the roof. Yeah, that's right. And it's like, so, oh. so the point is, is that sometimes God often is waiting for us to, or is expecting us to act because we have around us what we need. And often it's, People around us have what we need if we actually, you know, tell them like, hey, I need help if we work together, whatever it is. And then, like you said, sometimes it takes the power of God specifically in in some instance or in some moment, but it absolutely takes all three. And we are asked and called to, you know, take action to, you know, act in faith, right? And so it's not just like you said, for us to sit back. So I think it's a really good point that you're focusing on all three of those things because- it is so important. I, I think that also people need to, there, there's some reflection, and I'll be quite candid. Uh, personally, um, I was really good with the the me power. In other words, recognizing, okay, this these are the gifts that God has given me, and I've done my best to try, even with the books. There, there is, there, okay, there are different purposes, but, but it's all part of my brand, let's say, what I'm all about. I was all, also very good, not perfect, but with the power, you know, connecting with God and through prayer life and, and reading scripture and things like that. Uh, my, my biggest problem was the we power. In other words, I never liked and still really uh, hesitate to ask for help. Uh, and there are people like that. Uh, and, and everybody's a little bit different. Some people, they're okay asking for help. Uh, but they're not really connecting with the power, with, you know, uh, connecting to God. So anyway, that requires also just some in- introspection to think, okay, where do I where do I stand in the me, we, and the, and what do I really need to nurture? Mm, absolutely. And I think at different times, you may need to nurture different parts of, you know, yeah, exactly. Areas, yes. right? because I, I relate to what you said as well, that sometimes I always want to be the helper. And so I don't want to ask for help. Not that I never do, but it is harder because I want to be like, well, no, I'm fine. It's fine. right? Mm -hmm. So not that I don't ask God, you know, go to him. But to your point, the we for me, I mean, I have a big community of people that I rely on. But like, if it's something I, I want to think I can do it myself, right? Like I, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's kind of our, our culture. We were, a lot of us were raised that way. And so it's more about what, how, what was ingrained in us, I think for some of us. And so you know, I, I have to work hard to remember. I help people in a lot of ways, and I have to also allow other people to help me. You well know, said. So well said. Yeah. That's a challenge as well. Yeah. So uh, the first thing I would ask you now that you've kind of you know explained the general concept of the uh, you know me, we, and thee is how can people tap into you know like the divine within us, and then within each other, you know 
working together as a community and then reconnecting with God. So what are maybe some simple things you want to tell us about that? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, it, it starts with the first uh, step. And, and I I, uh, I think I wrote about this early on in the chapter. It's a very personal story. I was in high school and I had read Norman Vincent Peale. He was a Methodist minister, but I read, I was 17 years old or so, um, maybe a junior or senior in high school. And I read that book. And one of the things he said early on was commit your life to Jesus Christ. Well, that is not a Catholic concept. Right. Um and, and I don't want to make this all about, you know, my Catholic faith. However, it, it, it's worth pointing out that that was not something um, that was part of, you know, my faith, you know, upbringing. So I'll never forget it, Kristen. I was in my bedroom and um, I got down on my hands and knees. Yeah. And and that's so I I gave my life to Christ. Mm-hmm. Really, uh, and in my book, I say just keep it simple. Just Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Um, mm-hmm. I want you part of my life. And I remember, um, it, look, it wasn't like the sky opened up and the angels with the harps and the trumpets blasting. But I'll tell you something. Um, I remember nothing changed in that moment, but I, I knew that that was forever and it was real. So so I mentioned that because, again, in the me power, the, one of the first things I talk about is, uh, so you asked, where do people start? You got to start with committing your life to Jesus Christ. Starts there. And then learning about Christ and what he was all about. And so that leads me to, again, I tell a story. Now I'm in college, okay? And uh, not a Bible reader, but uh, I was a disc jockey at the college radio station, uh, and somebody left a Gideon's Bible, the New Testament, and uh, it said something like it's a spirit lifter. Um, and, you know, to the uh, DJs at WXCI, uh, the call letters. And so I actually, uh, and I'll admit this, uh, you know, I figured, okay, they left it here. So um, I took it. <laughs> um and then I, and boy, I'll tell you, it was like reading, you know, think of one of your favorite books where it's just a page turner. Yeah. And so that was the next step. So first step was committing uh, your life to Jesus Christ and, and, and just, um, and believe that. And the second thing is, okay, well, it's like in a relationship, um, get to know who he was as, as a man and as, um, as God. Uh, who lived among us. And uh, so that was the second part. And then the third part, finally, really, look, there are a lot of people that have turned away from organized religion. I get it. I understand. Um, But again, I talk about this in my book that, you know, Jesus and his parents, Mary and Joseph, were devout. You know, they went to synagogue. He was 12 years old when, you know, the only story I think about him as a young man or 12 or 13 years old, and he's in the synagogue. uh, And they, and they, they went to they uh, they uh, observed uh, Passover. They uh, observed all of the, you know, going to the temple, the presentation, and so on and so forth. So I, I remind people, and again, I, I don't like to beat people over the head, but think twice. It's not a social. I just met with somebody recently who's very involved in their church. I won't mention the denomination. It's a Christian church, but he said, "Yeah, we're more of a social. You know, it's a social kind of a community." Uh, and people come when they want to, and et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, I'm sorry, but um, uh, it, it shouldn't be just about the music, you know. So, so that's another point, though. So, those are the steps: commit your life to Christ, get to know Him in different ways, and then really practice your faith. And don't just say, uh, "Well, I, I I walk in nature," uh, or when I'm fishing on a Sunday morning, that's good enough. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. But remember who the artist, who the architect of nature is uh, and recognize and acknowledge that. So Uh, I think uh, absolutely you're right. And actually, I uh, don't talk about all the time. I've talked about the show before, but I actually was raised Catholic as well. And so and actually practiced uh, Catholicism until uh, at least my late 30s. You know, not saying I won't go back. It could happen. It was actually because uh, having younger kids at the time, I just felt like what the classes and everything just wasn't kind of fitting, you know, a family at the time. So we, we left the church and went to a, a more non-denominational at that time, mm-hmm. but I still love the Catholic church for many things. But um, so I absolutely know what you're saying about, 
my parents both were raised Catholic and went to, you know, they're from uh, up in Pennsylvania originally. They both went to Catholic uh, or, you know, like, uh, yeah, Catholic school all the way through high school. And so much like you said, it was more like the priest would tell you about, right, the homily, the sermon, it, less than you were going and reading the whole Bible at that time, you know, whereas obviously we always had those in our houses, but it, it was when I was in college and as an adult when I read a lot more, right? It wasn't when I was young. I mean, they might have printed, you know, there would be like a printout of a, you know, um, a Bible verse, right, in the homily, but it was different. So you sort of, like you said, growing up that way. So, so, Kristen, you know, yeah. another uh, another important point um, that I think people need to you know think about is taking ownership for the faith. In other words, you know, some people say, well, I don't like the homilies or or, or I don't like the, they don't they have terrible music or this, that or the other. And it's like, OK, you know what? How much are you taking ownership for your faith? Um, and, you know, it, 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 when we take our last breath. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not, we can't point to this one or that one. Well, they didn't help me or they did lousy homilies or the music was terrible. And, and so th- God, that's why, you know, I kind of ignored you. No, the last breath is going to be just our, our, our ourselves and our creator right. being, and that'll be the final judgment. So it's important to take ownership. And again, I, I don't want to sound preachy. Um, there's so many different reasons why people uh, fall away. Um, and, and I understand and respect that. Yeah. Well, no, I think you bring up a good point. I mean, it's much like if we were talking about our health, um, both from a medical perspective or just, you know, fitness, anything, you know, at some point, you know, you tell somebody, Hey, it's really, we need to be proactive. We need to take control. We need to be our best advocate, right. For our health or whatever, our relationship with our spouse or whatnot. Well, it's the same with our relationship with God and with our faith. And so whether we've, struggled with that in the past, whether we're struggling with it today, you know, because I've definitely had my moments of things of falling off or not being as um, daily, you know, committed as I am in in different seasons. So, you know, I definitely can, can understand and speak to that as well. But the point is, is we, we are supposed to keep growing, right? That's how we thrive. That's how we build our relationships. So regardless of what the past has looked like, we can always try again, we can go back, we can, go to a different church, right? And not, like you said, not that it's church shopping, even though I have, you know, obviously tried different churches, (laughs) but it is to say at some point I'm making a choice and I'm just going to try it and stay here now, right? Like maybe the one you're at, there was some issue or whatever, but don't let that keep you from going another time and trying something else out. I've gone with a girlfriend before because we didn't want to bring our whole families, Mm -hmm. right? Before we knew if this was the right place for us, you know, so, but there's ways to go and, and, Find a place that you're comfortable with. And so don't let what's happened in the past, either, you know, that you're frustrated with God or that you were upset with somebody in the parish, whatever the thing is, don't let that in your future stop you from reconnecting, right, to a church community and to God and to uh, people that are going to support you, you know, in your faith and in your life as well. Thank you for mentioning that, because, again, also in the book, I talk about that. I, I don't point people to, to any particular church. I just said, you know what? It, it, find what works for you. But be careful that, you know, it's not just some social uh, gathering. You know, there should be a, a, a you know, it should de- be deepening your faith. I want to mention this parenthetically, you know, with uh, Oppenheimer, the movie uh, that's been out. Robert Downey Jr., I think many people know of some of the problems that he had faced with alcoholism and drug addiction, et cetera. Well, um, Mel Gibson, a controversial uh, figure and a, and a devout Catholic, um, uh, according to Robert Downey Jr., who who gave, uh, I can't remember what the event was, but uh, um, Gibson was being given some kind of an award. And I watched this on YouTube and and Robert Downey Jr., he said that Mel Gibson saved my life, that that Mel Gibson just said, hey, number one, um, uh, have faith in God, faith in God. And he said, I don't care, you know, what what church you go to, but but have faith And Robert Downey Jr. And he caught a lot of flack for that because like, oh, wait a minute, Gibson, Mel Gibson. And Robert Downey Jr. said, look, all I know is I'm sober and my, my his career, as we see, has had really taken off. Um, and he attributes that to, again, that that conversation. And that's also the we power, how we can help, you know, other people in a way that um, is compassionate and not just beating people, you know, over the head. One other thing that I think is worth mentioning in terms of why people 
have fallen away from the faith is suffering. They see, you know, all these tragic events and and young people, um, the shootings and so on and so forth. And they say, well, how can an all loving God allow this uh, to happen? And I understand. One thing I would say is read the book of Job. Start there. Um, And I know people say, oh, come on. Yeah, well, um, try that. Try reading the book of Job because, um, look, no one, no one, no matter how smart or how deep our faith is, can understand the mind of God, the role of suffering. We do know, though, that God who came here in the form of Jesus Christ uh, suffered greatly. Mm-hmm. And so so that the the whole idea of and there's the, the whole, a lot of people that push the prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to mention names. But one very popular preacher said, if you're not rich and wealthy, your faith isn't strong enough. Come on. Yeah. Um, we are not promised as Christians a light, a cushy life. Um, so I think people need to understand many people have turned away because of that. And I understand, you know, they've suffered terrible, terrible things and tragedies. Um, but, uh, as much as we may not understand it, we need to trust that there's a reason behind that, that God has a reason for the suffering. Yeah. A couple things, uh, from that I want to mention that you talked about. So, well, mention what you just said last, which is when people ask those questions, like, how can God allow this to happen either to me or my loved one or in the world? You know, there's so many um, things that you could say to that. Not that any of us like it, right? Not that any of us, we all grapple with it to some extent. But I think one, you know, there's the thing that he gave us free will. So while he might not allow it, he also didn't stop the person from making, just like in our own lives, we all make bad, sinful choices sometimes. Maybe some seem small in our mind or big, but we're allowed to make those choices. We're allowed to choose. And then I was listening to a podcast interview. I think it was Rabbi David Aaron, the Aaron David, but he was talking about this concept and he said, you know, the, the part of the divine that's in us is there so that every time we choose to do good, that's, in other words, that's why we're here is to continue to, we get the choice and every moment we get to choose to, to do good, you know, for someone else or in the world or not. And so it's like, we're here to do good. It doesn't mean every moment, every person does good or bad things don't happen, but we get to keep showing up. Even when there's bad in the world, we can feel grounded or positive that we still get to keep doing good things. Right. And so I think if people remember that's our job, right. Is to help each other, to love each other. Like we're, we're called to do we can keep showing up and doing that even in the midst of tragedy or chaos. And often that's when you see the most of it, right? Is if something bad right. happened, you see people come together and you see people showing levels of generosity and love, like not, no other time, mm. you know? So I think that's the first thing I would mention. The second is when you brought up um, Mel Gibson and Robert Downey Jr. I, I've heard actually that as well, that that happened. But here's what I'd say is, first of all, we can come back from any past, right? Through Christ, we can come back from any past when we, when we, you know, basically say, God, you're our savior and that we, you know, we're forgiven of our sins. So first of all, we can come back from anything in our past. So I want people to know that Two is if you have an encouraging word to speak to somebody or prophetic word, you need to do it. And, you know, I love what Mark Batterson says. He says, uh, he's a pastor in DC. He says, you know, um, well, I'm sorry. He says it in his book. Someone else might've said it. But he says, speak to people for who they're becoming or who they can become or they're capable of becoming, especially if it's in Christ, not who they are today, right? Because when we speak, like Robert Downey Jr., yeah, he might have been at a low point, but you, we can come out of that, right? And so that's the point is with people telling you, like, there's still hope, man. There's still, you're still have so much value and worth, even in this moment, if you feel so low and broken. And so I think that that's important to remind us all of our jobs, I think, is to be encouraging and to be, you know, to speak these words God's giving us on someone's life, even if you don't know them well, or even if, you know, if you feel that prompting, I'd say you need to say something. You need to speak that in love to that person. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I would like to share something with you. So a very good friend of mine, a contemporary um, uh, and a very prominent, you know, business person, pretty well known. And we have an uh, an adoration chapel here at uh, the local parish. And um, it's open 24-7. And so, you know, he was there at like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. He's one of those guys. You know, you'd never find me in there at 3 or 4 a.m. 3 p.m. maybe, yes. So anyway, he goes in, and there's a young woman 
uh, maybe in her upper 20s, low 30s, and he could tell that she's in distress. Now, a lot of people would just, uh, I'm gonna, and probably it's something I would do, you know, I'm going to mind my own business. I'm not going to say anything. He recognized the distress, and he said, all he said was, he didn't ask her, you know, hey, what's going on? He just said, is there anything I can pray for you about? And that opened up, Kristen, a dialogue, and it turns out that she was going to be losing a homeless soon and and some troubles that she was having. So long story short, um, you know, they connected. He had connected her with the housing authority here in town. And so that's now taken care of. Now, so I love what you just said, because a lot of times we just ignore, you know, it's, hey, it's not none of my business. It's recognizing, number one, and number two, it's all in the the approach. It's not often the what, but it's how we approach a, a particular situation. Yeah. And, you know, I think the whole thing about your book is, you know, is what we're talking about, which is, you know, you're talking about like, we need to, um, you talk about spiritual fitness, right? And like, what is your level of spiritual fitness? And how do we get more spiritually fit, if you will, right? Like, how do we get more into our practice, our daily practices to practice faith? Well, it is the same with what you just talked about. The reason how we get more comfortable with being more connected to other people is we practice when we have that little inkling or we feel called or we feel pulled towards someone or a situation, we just do it. Like you said, there's no pretense Mm -hmm. here. It's just, hey, like some, for instance, 10 years ago, if I saw somebody, you know, trying to get money on the street, I might've given them a gift card. I might've given them money when I can. And when it's like the timing works. But now on occasion, and if it's safe, right, and I'm not putting myself in danger, I will talk to the person. I mean, normally it's, I'm still in my car. On occasion, I might be able to be out of the car, but I'll ask them, hey, what's your name? You know, oh, well, what's going on with you? You know, and then I might give them, you know, a gift card if I can instead of cash, obviously. Sometimes I might give them cash and we could debate that all day long, right? Like, if, are they actually <laughs> I know, I know. Of it? I, I, I get so that's, it. that's not the argument I want to get into. It, you know, it depends who you talk to. But my feeling is one, if I have the means, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, even if I'm the fool in the situation, doesn't matter. But I go talk to them, right? And what would I have done that 10 years ago? No, because I wasn't comfortable doing it. But mm-hmm. now I have stretched, I have worked my, my muscle to get better at that. And so it doesn't mean I'm always comfortable doing it, but I'm, I'm more comfortable than I was before. But we get that way by doing it. And, and, you know, uh, I'll share something with you because, it, uh, I, and look, uh, uh, about whether we drop coins in a cup or not, that I think that's personal. And, and I, there's, you get no argument from me yeah. at, at all. And I understand both sides of it, but that's a personal decision we make. Um, there was a period in my uh, career where I was um, doing a lot of business in Chicago. And there was this guy, uh, you know, that you have the various bridges and he would sit there um, and, and tr- sell papers. I don't know where he got the newspapers from. And, um, I remember, um, I did exactly what you did. I actually said, so here I am dressed nice. This was like, let's say after just five o'clock, five thirty. all these people walking back and forth. And here I am. And I did this not just once. Cause I was out there quite a bit. I still remember his name, Thomas. And I sat down next to him and people would be walking by and they'd see me next to this. He looked like a bum, you know, a homeless uh, bum. And and but I learned his story. I learned about his parents. I learned about his siblings. I learned about about you know why he was doing what he was doing. And I must have met with him. Th- and he remembered me. I would come back, you know, maybe a month later, and I'd I'd seek him out. And um, and I look, did it change his life? I I don't know. But for me, um, that's Jesus. And and there's a there's a a great uh, it, it's it's like a sculpture it's an actual park bench you might have heard of this it's the homeless Jesus and it's a it's a like a it's a real bench uh, I think it's made of bronze with a real person with a blanket over them uh, and and now that's starting to crop up I think we've got one here actually in Norwalk Connecticut there's one of these uh, benches and and it's just that reminder that. Um, you know, let's not look down on on people that um, that have run into a lot of misfortune, whether whether it be through their own poor ch- choices or or not. Let's 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 show compassion. Absolutely. So it's just so important. So let me ask you this. So we were talking earlier at the beginning just about how so many people are just disconnected from their faith. 
<laughs> or struggling with something at this point mm-hmm. for so many reasons. There's literally so many. But how does our faith and faith, faith practices help us address life's challenges? Maybe for people that have gotten angry at God or they've disconnected or they're in, but they want to hear this conversation because maybe it'll be that little light that that little spark that lets them say, you know what, maybe I'll open the door again. Mm-hmm. Well, um, again, I, I think it, it it really starts with, um, I want to go back now to the the power. I, I think, um, look, we all struggle with, with various, uh, you know, issues and situations. And I know that, uh, and I wrote about this in the book as well, when I was, uh, gosh, in my early 20s, I was engaged to a young lady. Uh, and I I wasn't the kind of guy that, you know, played the field or anything like that. This was my first and only love. And and then I it was going south. And um, and I remember just uh, connecting with God in a very, very deep way, asking him for help. So it was devastating to me, uh, you know, uh, emotionally and otherwise. I couldn't even I couldn't concentrate, couldn't do my job. I was in uh, in graduate school and I was starting to I was on academic probation. And uh, it, it's that again it's we we need to rely on other people we power um and, and maybe you know uh reach out to somebody whether it's a book or a youtube but somebody again where it's a solid foundation but first and foremost and i'm going to emphasize this and, and and look you think you and i are talking i can see you i can hear you right. with god it's different but like you said that divine we we're all born with that that divinity within and and so don't give up. It's one of those things like the the physical fitness. You know, you don't go to the gym one day and and if I'm not, you know, right. uh, an Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'm going to give up. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. You can't just say one prayer, one and done, and say, God, okay, well, what happened? I want to share one more thing with you. Um, this was more recent, a couple of years ago. Um, I was going through a rough patch with my career. And um, and feeling pretty sorry for myself, quite frankly. And up in our uh, the bedroom, we have this beautiful hand card by one of my wife's Swiss relatives of a crucifix, and it's on our uh, it's on the dresser. And I'm in the bathroom. I think I'm brushing my teeth, feeling really sorry for myself. I'll never forget this. And I said, "Jesus, what have you done for me lately?" Now, as I said that, I turn in this. We've had this. We've been in the house for 26 years. It's been there the whole time. I turn and my wife just happened to be dusting off the crucifix. And I looked and I just felt ashamed. I'm thinking, what have you done for me lately? What more could you have done? So, uh, again, a long answer to a short question, but people need to really, you know, connect with the with the uh, divine. Well, in, in yeah, a that's meaningful that. way. Yeah, and I'm sorry. Remember, remember, Jesus in Gethsemane sweat blood. That's how intense his prayer was. And he said, right. the bigger the problems, the more prayer and fasting we need to do. But we want more of an easy, uh, an easier fix. Yeah. Well, and you do talk in the book about the. I think you call it acts, right? The different types of prayer. Yeah. So we're Adoration. not meant to only yeah. pray for like, hey, God, I could really use some help here. I mean, not that that's bad. We can do that, especially if it's. For well-being, you know, it's it, like you said, it's not like, hey, I just want $10 million because I want it. <laughs> right. We're talking and, about, you know, actually praying for things um, because it aligns with what God wants for us. But you also talk it, about the different types of prayers, you know, and you, you can speak to that if you want. But, you know, really what I was going to say is often, though, our prayers should be about other people and other things as well. Right. And of course, mm-hmm. thanks to God and all this. But, you know, so it shouldn't just be like you said, self, very selfish prayers. That's not the point here. Right. In, in Acts, it is a sequence. Now, you can go out of sequence, but it starts with adoration. In other words, adoring and having reverence for God. And then the C is contrition, you know, being sorry, acknowledging that we're sinful people. T is thanksgiving for all the blessings in our lives. And then S is supplication. That's where we pray not only for our stuff for ourselves, but we pray for uh, others. So a lot of people, that has resonated with a lot of people like, oh, it, it, you know, and and there is somewhat of a sequence. I'm reading through Isaiah right now, the the book of Isaiah, and it, it talks about whenever we throughout history, biblical history, read Kings, King David, Solomon, etc., and then the subsequent queen, kings. Whenever they turned away, that's when you know bad things happen. Um, and I'm not saying it was because of God, but you know when we when we take our gaze off of Christ, that's when we we uh, lose focus and direction. 
Yeah. And obviously one of the things is, you know, get in the word, read the Bible, you know, try to spend time with God, obviously important things, especially if you've been disconnected, you know, from your faith. But I would also add, and I think you mentioned this in the book as well, find other resources that help you reignite that faith. So for me, you know, I'll read the Bible, you know, at least a verse or some, some of the, a couple verses or maybe more, you know, in the mornings, but also reading a lot of Christian books help me because they tell stories about people and things that happen in their lives that I wouldn't have otherwise known. And those encourage me in my faith, right? And they strengthen my faith because especially, I mean, I read a lot of those types or to those authors, but like Mark Batterson, who I mentioned earlier, I love his books because they're very easy to read, but he gives a lot of examples. And then he also ties it back to, you know, the story in the Bible or, you know, something, you know, and so for me, it strengthens my faith. So I would encourage people if, if you're struggling with getting into God's word directly, always, Try adding in some additional, you know, and it could be a podcast, it could be a book, it could be going and having coffee with somebody that's close to you that's a very faith-oriented person. But those things normally encourage us and they move us to want to have more of that, I think. Kristen, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Norman Vincent Peale was a master at uh, talking about real people with real problems yeah. and and how they were able to able to overcome that through Christ. Uh, in the third power, the last chapter, I, I uh, cite four people, Paul, St. Paul of uh, Damascus, Saul of Damascus, uh, the, uh, the, fe- the gentleman from Unbroken, uh, oh, yeah. and, and two other people, and different faiths, by the way. So, so that, to your point, I wanted to conclude the book with, hey, here were real people. These were people who were sinners, some atheists, etc., um, and uh, who, through faith in Jesus Christ, were able to turn their lives around. So I, I agree. It's not just one thing. Right. It's, so thank you for bringing that up. I appreciate yeah. that. Well, no, those were really good examples. I remember specifically in your book about the example of the story of the, you know, the uh, was he a pilot? Uh, well, Louis Louis Zamperini, Louis yeah. Zamperini, think about this. Not only was he, tor- he was a, a world-class runner. He was in the Olympics, et cetera, back in the 1920s or so uh, in Germany, uh, 30s. And um, anyway, he, he was uh, a POW. He was beaten and tortured. He, and he came back. He was uh, married, but he was drinking, and, and and just his life was unraveling. And his wife persuaded him to go to a, a Billy. I love Billy Graham. Uh, Billy Graham revival. He convert. He he tra- converted um, to uh, Christianity. He gave his life to Christ. But here's the thing. I love this part, and it's not in the movie. He went back no, to. Yeah. Uh, he went back to Japan. He went back to Japan, and th- some of his captors and the people who tortured him were still there. And he went back and he said, "I forgive you," and forget. And as a result, they were so it was so incredulous to them that many of them actually converted to Christianity. It was just amazing. It, it, it reminds me of Christ. You know, he's on the cross. He's dying. He said, "Please, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing." So Louis Zamperini went from an agnostic atheist to it turned away from God completely to, and then through his experience. Um, anyway, uh, that's why I share four very different stories. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the thing is that why, why are we called to share testimony? It's truly because they're miraculous. And so if you need to deepen your faith, read your book, of course, read other books that, that share these stories, or like I said, podcasts or, you know, videos, whatever it is, because when I hear them and I know when other people hear them, it, changes something within you you know it That's just right. does and it and it yeah i think it's important also that it is grounded because there's a lot of stuff out there that's you know it's popular it may sell a lot of books or a lot of a lot of eyeballs on on the podcast and things like that but you want to make sure uh that it, it's it's speaking the truth and i think again if you ask the holy spirit to, right. to keep you make you aware um the holy spirit won't won't uh, misdirect you let's say it'll guide you in the right direction Absolutely. So let me ask you, Scott, what is the maybe one last thing you want to share uh, either in your book or just in general with the audience just to uh, encourage them um, in soothing our souls and restoring our spirit? Yeah, I would just say that, um, look, we've all been through uh, really rough times. You know, I, I'm sure people look at you and they listen to you and, and they may people that know me, they think, well, Gosh, what a perfect life. You know, I teach business ethics. I've been teaching that for 17 years. And they think, oh, he must be, you know, a paragon of virtue. Look, we're all sinners. 
uh, we, we've, I've done things that, I, that, that I feel very badly about throughout my life. Um, but it, nothing is insurmountable through Jesus Christ. And, and, and so just keep that in mind. Many people despair, they're despondent and, uh, they've given up all kind of hope. Uh, but there, there is hope and, and just, just that extra little push, that extra little push that can kind of get you through using the me, the we, and the the. So good. Well, thank you for coming on today, sharing about, you know, what you're doing, you know, God prompting you to write this book, sharing about the book with us. So tell people, how can they connect with you uh, online and learn more about your books? And things? I think the simplest thing is Scott Ventrala. If you Google Scott Ventrala, uh, I've got a pretty big digital uh, footprint. Uh, so, uh, and also that's my website, uh, scottventrala.com. Mm-hmm. Thank you so uh, much. Regard- you, you, yeah, uh, regardless of the book, I'm not here just to, you know, it, it's it's more about witness, witnessing to our faith. Right. And so you're, you, you found an avenue, I found an avenue, and many of the folks I'm sure listening in on this and watching this podcast, you know, they can find uh, avenues. We can all help each other and we all need that help. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to connecting again. Thank you very much, Kristen. Episode encourages you in your faith journey. I hope it at least helps you maybe reflect on where you're at with your faith journey and your spiritual practices, and maybe just step up one thing you're doing currently. And just remember, we're all here to grow and most importantly, to love one another the way Jesus loves us and loves, or was an example of love to us. And I just want to share these words with you from Bob Goff in his book, Dream Big. He says, Can we look at each other in the eye through these pages and say, no more doing what merely occupies, entertains, and numbs us. It's time to go after your dreams, your faith, and your ambitions with gusto. It's simply time. You know it. I know it. The people who love us know it. Let's stop deferring, ignoring, and screwing around, distracting ourselves with things that won't really matter next week, much less in our next life. Let's instead throw our efforts and emotional weight into those ambitions which will outlast us and leave all the rest behind. I love that. So I just hope that you will go after the thing God's calling you into. I hope you will uh, go after and pursue God and that you'll share your gifts with others and that you will allow a community of faith believers to support you and you to support them and that you'll keep chasing and pursuing your relationship with God. Thanks again for listening in. And if you enjoyed the show, we would love it if you could leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts because it helps more people discover the show and connect to our community. And if you'd like to connect with me, find out what's going on and be encouraged in your life and your faith, go to faithfueledwoman.com and you can sign up to join my community through my email list. 